Spooky episode. Everybody it's a, hear some howling. It's a Halloween. Wind the trees. It's a don't be an idiom Halloween special. Very what creepy. What the Halloween are we doing here? Very creepy. Gabagool. There's a gabagool that's going to be floating. Oh, gabagool, yeah. Get it? I it's do get it. It's going to be floating around the episode all, the whole hour. He might pop in. We haven't really plan this out, but I'm sure it'll make sense. Well, you can't nail way. down a ghoul. No, you can't. Happy hey, Halloween, everyone. Yeah, hi. Welcome to hello. Don't Be an Idiom. It's Hello, <laughs> the podcast. Hello. Hello, Halloween. Uh, listen, this is the podcast that explores the origin stories of common phrases and idioms, and we are going to have just a spooktacular time. We're going we're gonna to yeah. really lean into all the Halloween stuff. Um, we owe it to you uh, to bring yeah. that sort of energy that sort of dark, creepy energy that we never have on any other episodes. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking that our last episode was, that would have been a good Halloween episode mm-hmm. since we wrote the, the Witching Hour Laundry song. Yeah. Did anyone listen to that? Yeah, of raise course. Raise your hand, raise your claws. If you put your broom way up into the air, if you love the Witching Hour Laundry <laughs> song. I'm seeing very few brooms. Um... Just got to say, not to toot our own horns, sometimes the songs and the skits take a lot of work uh, right. to, to like really like figure out what the hell are we doing? Yeah. But that one seemed to want to exist. Yeah. That one was pretty smooth and just really happy with how it turned out. <laughs> Go back and if you're just tuning in and you haven't listened to any uh, other episodes recently, go back to 82. Go back and, you know... Listen to 82. We cover the witching hour and it just felt right to do a witching hour laundry song about yeah, a bunch it's about of witches that run a laundromat. And it's a perfect Halloween tune. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we got a, we have a bunch of Halloween tunes. Spooky Cat Ghost World. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Annoying Monster Dinner Party. Yes. We could come out the whole Halloween album, I, I think. I feel like the Wolf and Sam Hill is pretty The Wolf and Sam Hill is, spooky. is pretty, very spooky. And yeah. so is Spring Hill Jack. Oh, yeah. Totally. All right. Listen. Totally. We'll make a... Maybe we'll use one of those old creepy songs as our, as our uh, you know, interlude Yeah, 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 songs. yeah. Uh, anyway, so... By the way, you know, like oh, we snuff, we're, we're kind of we're kind of patting ourselves on the back a little bit, but like, um, so I was watching Ernest Scared Stupid earlier, and mm. there's this part in that where him and the kid they're they're getting applause from the crowd because they yeah. killed all the um, the trolls, trolls, yeah, and they're doing this. I yeah. know you can't see him at home, but you <laughs> clasp your hands together and you throw them over your shoulders like Classic. this. And Lisa was like, "What is that move?" And I was like, "I know, it's like they do it in cartoons when it's like." <laughs> I feel like it's like a mayoral thing. Like something, it's, it's always like, someone up on a pedestal doing oh, this. Oh, that's a great history to look up. I know. Up. And I, was, I don't even know how you Google that. That's what I was saying. I was like, how do you look that up? Hand clasp. Like, over the shoulder. Over the shoulder. Shake it a few times. What does that mean? Left to right. I don't know, but it is funny how people, it's like, it's like you're embracing the applause. You're like, I did yeah. do something great. And thank, it re- yeah. It reminds me almost like a pat yourself on the back kind a little of motion. Bit. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's something that old timey politicians would do. For or sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. It feels like that. Yeah. I was going to ask out. It's funny. I watched Ernest Scared Stupid today because I was going to ask him anyway about 
like you know how great of a Halloween movie Ernest Scared Stupid is, Ugh. and I I just don't have, I guess I just don't know how how uh, commonplace it is for people to watch Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah, like I don't know, I have no concept of how many people have seen that movie, how you know frequently people come back to it in October or what, but it's like the best Halloween movie. It really is, and like you know I I think it was done on a shoestring budget. You know? I don't think so. Well, I, I mean, think that maybe was the biggest budget Ernest movie. No doubt. Yeah. But I'm saying like in general, I, I don't think it was an expensive movie in general is what well, yeah. I'm saying. It wasn't, you know, an Avengers movie. But I think that they really, for for what they were working with, I think they really captured, it was it was done well, uh-huh. you know, and like, and and you know, what I didn't even realize is that the the crazy old lady Yeah. Apparently she was She's like a, a singer. First catwoman, apparently. Yeah, and she was a singer. I didn't know well you could tell by the way she She's a very unique voice. Well she's just and she just owned that yeah. so well. Like she just like went for it. Right, yeah. I gotta we actually let's just play a little clip of the song the song a, a song that is sung by the woman who plays the the witchy old introvert yeah. outcast in Ernest Scared Stupid? Because I stumbled upon this only a few weeks ago, and I was like, "How the fuck did I not know that she was, you know, for example, the first Catwoman?" I had no idea, and that she was like a performer. And so that means that the create, like, you know, the casting of this, they yeah. like did that in in with her in mind. Oh yeah, I mean that's a big get. Getting, yeah. I like, I think that's like. That's a little bit of star power there. Not to mention, didn't they have the effects guy that did uh, Killer Clowns on that? The Chioda brothers, who did, did, like did all the Killer Clowns, um, they also did Team America. Oh wow! Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, the, that's why the trolls look pretty much exactly like Killer Clowns Some of from them Outer really Space. Really do look. Yeah, like it's like yeah. the same design, except now they're like trolly. Yeah. Um, wait till you hear this, Al. And <clears throat> this is the this is the. Woman singer. She, you could tell, you know how some people were just meant to be, uh, like on stage. She was, she was perfect. Here's the cool thing about the song. She plays a very witchy woman and this song is called, I'd rather be burned as a witch. And look how young she is here. Yo, striking. They say that I'm a witch. And that I weave a spell. <laughs> well, I use my eyes to invite you, my lips to delight you, and all the charms of the feminine wise to excite you. They say that I'm a witch and that I weave a spell. Well, I'll be a son of a and a wonder. Well, let me tell you, brother, I'd rather be burned as a witch. My songs to entice you with verses of ice you and all of my bags of tricks to shoes and rice you. They say that I'm a witch and that I weave a spell when I'll be a son of a and a Oh man, yeah, dude, she's got it. Is that not just she's fantastic? She's so good. Yeah, so that's I'd rather be burned as a witch by Eartha Kitt. Wow, and I. There's probably a lot of people out there like, yeah, Eartha Kitt. But no, like for some yeah. reason, I just well, did whatever. not know. We don't yeah. know everything. We can't know everything. This podcast is called Don't Be an Idiot because we're idiots. Yeah, right. I mean, 
To a degree, absolutely. <laughs> but no, yeah. So look, if if you know, we like so I grew up watching Ernest Scared Stupid and you know, a couple other Ernest like he to me he's part of my growing up or whatever. So yeah, like when sure. we watch him it's not ironic, it's not a like a joke like um Jim Varney is I think he is just so. He's incredible. Wonder, like yeah. he's just amazing, yeah. and, and and very fit too. Like, oh yeah, and a handsome guy. Like and he's like a. He made some big bucks in his later years. Yes. with doing the voice in Toy Story. Mm-hmm. He was the, the dog, right? Yeah, he was the a slinky, slinky dog, and slinky dog. and he had the the, the the Beverly Hillbillies. Okay, well, um, I don't know how much. I bought that movie. That was yeah, sure that was like a flash in a pan sort of movie. But I think that he made a chunk. <laughs> a chunk. Um, <laughs> And he also did a lot of those when we were at the Mahoning the one year when we we got to see uh, Ernest Scared Stupid on the big screen, which is like mm-hmm. uh, afterwards they always have something fun, some fun extras. And me- remember how many shorts and uh, commercials he had. Well, that's how he became famous was because he he did commercials in a From, local like a local yeah. company or something. What was it like Mellow Yellow or Squirt or something? I, I felt like remember. it was a lot of the sodas that he was. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, are there any other Halloween movies that uh, that like you just you have to like Elvira, watch. Mistress of the Dark? Or, well, I did, did or, just watch that recently. I mean, that's a good one. I mean, there's so many, um, there's so many good ones as far as uh, I don't know. Like, what's a hmm. what's like a an absolute go to for you? Because I will say this: like, even though I I really grew up on because Jason and Freddy movies were mm. always on cable. Yeah. So like in my head as a kid growing up, that was like, that's what horror movies were. And yeah. I mean, it is, man. I mean, watching Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th movies yeah. in October is, is great. But I love watching the original John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, um, yeah. I love watching Dario Argento's Suspiria every October. Okay. Um, I love watching The Exorcist every sure. October yeah. and, and uh, the, uh, the first Evil Dead, too. So those That's, are all, those those are good. Are, for me, yeah. those are all like, I usually wait until Halloween time to watch those and, and Shaun of the Dead, uh, which I just like Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite Shaun of comedies of all time. Um, as far as like a go to Halloween stuff, I guess I don't, I mean, you, you were much more ris- ritualistic with watching movies at yeah. certain times of year for sure. Um, uh, what I can say is about this year is got into a real werewolf uh, jag. Mm, yeah. like, so I've like, uh, you know, seen some that I un- unfortunately have not seen earlier mm. in life. Like I thought I saw the howling. Yeah. I was thinking of something else. Like, Howling's great. Howling, Howling 2. Interesting. Yeah. Did you watch American Werewolf in London? Because that's um, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So I have, and that one I have seen before, yeah. started what I thought was American Werewolf in London the other day, but I was like, this is American Werewolf in Paris. That but we're not doing yeah, this. Don't watch so it. So we yeah. turned that off. <laughs> um, so, but like, uh, Stephen King, Silver Bullet, Silver sold Bullet. for the first time ever. That's wild, Rod. And like, how about the uh, priest is the guy from uh, Twin Peaks? Oh, which yeah. Is great, oh, right, right. Know? That's a cool little thing. So, as far as the ritual of it all, like, I. I don't know. I feel like I'm one. I, like I, I'll you, you watch. Just, you kind of watch anything. Well, I'll watch Halloween movies when it's not Halloween. Well, yeah, me too. Also, I know you do yeah. too. But yeah, but I kind of like saving the hits. Yeah. For like, you know, yeah. I'll watch the you know whatever like the under the radar movies throughout the year. But I'm, then when October comes around, I mean, I do every day in October. I watch a horror movie I've never seen. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking like on Halloween day. I'll watch like all of the classics that I love. I'll say this on Halloween day. The last couple Halloween days, I don't know what I'm doing, but it feels like 
I, I'm not in near a TV at all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. know what it is, and I I can't remember. <laughs> I'm not I'm not trick or treating. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. <laughs> It's a busy time of year. Yeah. Um, you also said something I just want to remark on one more thing uh, before I guess we say a couple other things. But um, We've got things to say. Right now in America, uh, the big thing is uh, people with like 10-foot skeletons right. on their yards. Right, 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 right. So I'm, assu- I'm assuming this is not really happening in other, other countries. But uh, I, I was driving through J- New Jersey today and... Um, someone's yard had one of those 10 foot skeletons and this was awesome behind it was a 10 foot werewolf and it was have you seen that i think i did see it one of the big werewolves yeah and it's like a classic like red and black plaid it's got brown fur jeans ripped and i was it was huge and i was like all right i do like that that's (laughs) that's way cooler i think i'd yeah prefer the giant werewolf is was nice Mm. And speaking of creatures, um, we should do a shout out to Dave, right? Dave McCloy. What a creature indeed. Yeah. Dave, if you're listening, um, so we we have been fortunate enough to befriend Dave McCloy, whose father wrote the quintessential like Jersey Devil handbook yeah, as far from, as we're, we're concerned. It was written in 1976. Um you know, when I was a kid, my dad like painted the cover for me. Albert has the tattoo of yeah. the Jersey Devil, um, the, the way it's it's portrayed in the cover. Yeah, and yeah, and we befriended the son of this author, and he is the man. And um, yeah, and uh, he he let us know recently that uh, the book, The Jersey Devil, by James F. McCloy and Ray Miller, just went into its twentieth printing via Blue River Press. So if you go to our Instagram, we've we've linked that in our bio. Um, if you could pick it up, like it is seriously the, I I read, I've read it so many times. It's so awesome. Same. I mean, like the cover has changed since when we were kids, but all the guts are still the same. And this is just so nostalgic for me. I mean, all the photos in there, like I'll never forget the, like the maps, the hand-drawn maps who we also did get to meet. Yeah. We met the artist, the artist. Um, and Um. But Dave wrote a this forward, is all you need. This is and all he you need. he wrote an addendum of like lots of attractions, uh-huh. and um, yeah, and he he hit a, he hit us up when he was kind of developing it, but he had already just he had already yeah. like come up with such a great list. So anyway, Dave, thanks for sending us a yeah, copy, Dave, and you're the for man. thanks Dave. for all of our listeners, if you if you like the monster stuff that we do, um, check it out, or if you just like history, I mean, it's just such a cool it was such a cool moment in um, American history out here in New Jersey, uh, the, the the Jersey Devil. Right, he's coming back. He's and making the, a comeback with the cryptid craze in full swing. It is in full swing. The um, Jersey Devil is one of, if not the oldest, uh, in, in the country. So yeah, hell yeah, give him the respect that he deserves. And there's still some people, even that live in Jersey, that seem to not understand that that's a thing. And I just say, what? <laughs> What else what? are you thinking about? You know, we should do a super dubia monster episode about the Jersey Devil because we've not talked about him yet. <laughs> I know. We I feel like we've both kind of um held back from doing it because Yeah, we like we just, we just it's yeah. so uh like present in I'd be us, intimidated but, to actually structure a show around the Jersey Devil because there's just like, to me I just there's just so much shit. Like there's it, so many places you can go with it. It should be like a super sode because we should both do a lot of yeah. team research, which as you know, on our shows, we try to like keep stuff secret until like the moment of, but yeah, yeah. I'm into it. Let's do a Jersey devil episode. Soon. Really, really soon. Really soon. 
And uh, there is one Jersey Devil, Alex Wildman, who's kind of a Jersey Devil in his own right. Um, he's a, a, a great friend and um, an avid listener, and he just had a son uh, like a two days ago. Yes, so he did. Congrats to the Wildman family. Yeah, welcome to the newest Wildman on planet. That's his real Earth. name, by the yeah. way. Um, you should check him out. He's, yeah. he's, kind of, he's like a woodworker. He's a climber. He's got massive... Muscles, forearms. <laughs> yeah, he's always been the jacked one in the group for sure. Um, but congrats, Alex, and welcome, we love you, buddy. Welcome, Everett. Yeah, welcome, Everett. Okay, so is there anything else? Um, you got a trailer. You want to talk about that at all? Or should oh, we get... well, while we're talking oh, about, about the pines, the pines the pine barrens. Um, so I do believe. Technically, I, I might be in technically within the bounds, but like me and my brother Mario, we uh, we saw an opportunity and we swooped up down on it. And um, I am officially uh, a, a homeowner in a sense, but it's a mobile home. Good uh, job, buddy. Owner, and uh, yeah, really happy to. Uh, I'll tell you what, it feels different owning something. I never thought I would. You're a trailer park boy. I'm officially a trailer park boy, and let me tell you something. There are a lot of people from South Philly that are my neighbors down there. Really? Dude, uh, yeah. Like, oh, interesting. Like, all, first of all, what I find very interesting about the trailer park is, you know, in real life, I don't want to talk to my neighbors. I don't want to see my neighbors. Nah. I, don't want, I don't want, I'm like, I don't know what it is, but it's yeah. like, there's just, there's no time for yeah. any of that. At the trailer park, people are like out and about and they want to like chit chat. And I'm like, Okay. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, right. But really what they want you to know, at least at Pine Haven, is they're like, no, we party. Like, <laughs> we've been partying for 21 years yeah, here. So, well, like, are you cool? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah. But it's just so funny because, you know, like, I'm officially middle-aged, but these people are more middle-aged. or Yeah, they're 60 you know, probably. Even older. And they... They rage, Well, man. dude, that's good, because can you imagine if they were uptight and wanted you to be quiet? That's what I'm saying. Because then you and Mario would that's, be getting in trouble. That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> you know, my my one neighbor, the, the other day, I woke up, and he was like, Albert, come over here. And I, I went over, and he's like, did we wake you up last night? And I was like, no, no. And he's like, come on, you didn't hear us? I was like, I heard you, but like you didn't yeah. keep me up. And he's like, look at this. And he shows me his iPhone, yeah. and it's him rolling around. <laughs> laughing on the trailer park grounds like you can see the crushed shell driveway and he's like that's your driveway and i'm like oh my god dude (laughs) and um, that's your driveway i love it i I love it hilarious yeah cool all right well we're all invited i think um if you're if you've been listening you can get through the gate yo yeah you come and see me oh yeah okay Great. All right. Well, um, up oh, there's the the gobble ghoul oh, of episode eighty three. Very. What are you doing? It's very spooky. Does he have a catchphrase? Uh, a little dabble ghoulia. <laughs> a little dabble what? My dad used to always say a little dabble do ya. Yeah. Do you know that? Do you know that? Yeah, like a dab will do you. Like a dab of glue, I think, is what it was. <laughs> Isn't that, that's what I always thought it was, right? Wait, how often was your dad talking to you about glue? When my, I guess when we were doing like... like we were, what, does it apply to hair gel, Kids too? doing... Yeah, I guess. I, it probably was a hair thing. Oh. But like, I feel like, you know, you got Elmer's glue? Yeah. And you, like as a kid, you're you. like, let me just get a whole lot in there. Right, it's like, yeah. my dad was like, it's a little dab will do you. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So you said dabble Goulia. A little dabble Goulia. Great. Okay. That's I love what he it. says. All right. So we're going to play a game to see who goes first. Uh, we potentially have, is your idiom spooky? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Is yours? It is, yeah. Mine spooky too. All right, so we I didn't think it was I, honestly last time we tried this, Albert showed up with a non-spooky idiom, so I wasn't really expecting Albert to actually have a spooky idiom. Ah, well, I told him I was like, you know, there's only so many idioms left, but that's true. You know, it got lucky, got spooky, but we are about to play a really interesting game here. This is a homemade game. It's called Buckshot, and I actually got the I picked this up at my thrift shop, um, and it looks like. It came with a little business card. It's called Buckshot Games, Fun Games for All Ages by Gene and Patty Havlick. So if you want a homemade thing's wild, it's got it's made out of it's got it's got shotgun shells in it. It's got shotgun shells. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, So we're going to we're going to play to see who goes first and uh, then we'll get this party rolling, I guess. Rolling and over with. Yeah. You can get back to whatever it was you were doing. Driving to work, I guess. Buckshot Betty over here. Buckshot Betty. You can call me Buckshot Betty. Wow. Actually, Albert's won so many recently. I've not. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Dong. All right. Okay. So Ryan won. All right. So so listen. This is this is like how do I how do I put this? I wanted to do a phrase that just you know everyone freaking knows. You probably already know the history. I can't even imagine what sort of guess you're going to have because, you know, it's just it's just right there. It's trick or treat. Oh, no. I thought you were going to guess my words. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. I've never looked up trick or treat. And it seemed like Damn so it. it seemed like so obvious. And I was like, "Well, trick or treat is a phrase." And then I was like, "Where did that start? When did that start?" So I did the research, and we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you about it. All right. Well, trick or treat. The meaning yeah. is, uh, you know, you say it when you're going door to door. You're trying to get a during Halloween for your Halloween candy. Is, mm-hmm. is the meaning right? You either get a trick or a treat. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um. Well, yeah. So the. Yeah. How do you define trick or treat? Yeah. It's well. It's it's a it's a Halloween practice. Halloween custom, yeah, um, in which yeah, children go from door to door, okay, to ask for treats. Um, otherwise, they will the people will be subjected to a trick. Sure. Oh, and, the people get tricked if they don't get a treat. Yeah, and so uh, the reason that I feel like this is kind of idiomatic is um, we associate with Halloween, obviously, but mm-hmm. you know it's made its way into music and lyrics. There's an Otis Redding song called "Trick or Treat" um, that sounds like this. So if you And I was just, you know, the trick aspect of tr- trick or treating has 
sort of disappeared essentially right like right because you're not allowed to do anything fun so when kids are i mean at least in america and i know that i know that uh the the aesthetics of halloween as we as they as we uh see them now is yeah. a, kind of like an american export yeah um mm. but uh you know and that's largely in part to like tv shows and and movies and things like that right but the history is pretty interesting so um and then the whole trick aspect, like kids don't do anymore. You can just go to your neighbor's house and go trick or treat and you just expect candy and then you walk away. Right. But it's not like if someone doesn't give you candy, you're going to like, you know, break their car windows or something like that. Right. That's what Mischief Nights for. That's what Mischief Nights is for. So um, I wish I had done some more research on Mischief Night because um, well, we, we, I think we, we talked about it before in the episode where we episode. talked a lot about how that's actually pretty localized. Like we we're. Oh, we did. Like yeah. It's, it's called a couple things. Right. In a couple of places, but some people don't like acknowledge yeah. any sort of the night before Halloween at all. Right. So anyway, like how do you think trick or treat sort of became this thing that people say on Halloween as they go door to door? All right, let's see here. We're going back, right? Um back when Halloween mm-hmm. was like becoming like americanized and in, mm-hmm. in like not the not the cool spooky you know truly uh, pagan in pagan yeah, okay. all that stuff right but like you get little little jimmy jimmy short legs jimmy short legs right? you know yeah he's like he's like ah you know he's like i'm knocking on all these people's doors he's like i just feel kind of bad like you know like i just everyone's just asking for candy and all that sort of stuff and it just you know it's like i think there's more to halloween really so he decides one year that it's not just gonna be all about the take he's Mm -hmm. gonna try to give okay he wants to give right so he starts going door to door uh and he still says trick or treat like all the other kids right mm, yeah and the people would come out and start to give him candy he's like but well, are you wait a second are you sure you don't want the trick yeah and then like you know a lot of them like get the hell out of here kid. like i'm just trying to get drunk on halloween but you know a couple people are finally like oh okay great like what do you what do you got jimmy and he's like well, let me just see what I pull out of my ear here. And he likes to do little little uh, magic tricks. Right? Yeah, yeah, I love it. And he's like, and what about this? It's a scarf, a miles long scarf out of the out of my sleeve. Where does this come from? Right? Mm-hmm. He's doing magic tricks. He's doing magic tricks. Yeah. Um, and the neighbors are like, wow, that's great. Jimmy, uh, but like, th- like I really like to have this whole thing done and over with, uh, like as soon as possible. So in his town, Jimmy, um, he's keeping people awake a lot longer than uh, than they'd like to be because okay. in- you know, instead of just throwing candy, it takes two seconds. Like he's doing he's this whole, do a whole magic thing. routine, yeah, right. right? Sure. So um, you might have noticed uh, in the last like good couple years mm-hmm. uh, how 
when we were kids, like you used to go out and trick or treat until it's seemingly all hours. Yeah, right? it felt your, like that. Right? But you notice how like now, now, towns, now it's like four to seven. Well, or something. towns put out this stuff, and they're like, uh, "Don't forget, uh, you have to only trick or treat from three p.m. to five p.m. And then there's a break for dinner, and then there's like one more hour. But it's like it's like barely even at nighttime, right? Yeah, like you don't get the dark the dark Halloween yeah. trick or treating. Well, anymore. you know why? Why? Because of little Jimmy oh. Short Legs, he was keeping people up. It's his until fault. 10 o'clock, 11 <laughs> o'clock, midnight. Jeez, he's got to make things more concise. So towns started saying, it's just treats, no right. trick. Yeah, yeah. No. No trick. Um, and then, and then it know, became And then, then it became, became an option, trick or treat. And then everyone's like, we'll give you a treat. We don't have time for a trick. Well, the, yeah, he was trying to create the option. Oh, okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that, towns are like, we're saying trick or treat, but it's really just treat. Yeah, yeah. But it just doesn't sound as good to go to the door and say, just treat. Right, yeah, right. So that is where good. it comes okay, from. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, that's good. It's good. Yeah, there's like some things in there that, oh that feel pretty accurate. <laughs> Listen, um, I mean, to, to really discuss the emergence of trick-or-treating as a saying, we have to touch upon the history of Halloween itself, right? Right. And so most of us have, at this point, heard of Samhain. Um, which you know is spelled Sam Hain, which I always knew how to say. I know you know how to say because we. Cut I know out, you know how to cut say. Cut out it. that part where I said <laughs> Sam Hain earlier. No, we didn't. We no, didn't. no. Remember, I said. Well, I'm I know, but it. we're not going to even refer we to are it. At cutting all. that out. <laughs> but now you're bringing it up. Well, that's how people know we're real. <laughs> we're being real. So Samhain, uh, which which was this. A Celtic festival that was held on thir- the 31st of October. Now, this has origins back to like 2,000 years ago, all right? It marked the beginning of the winter in Ireland and Scotland and, and Wales and, and parts of what is now England. Um, but, you know, a lot of the traditions that, that we think of, you know, people connect to this, this pagan festival. But, which always happens, the Christians Ugh. at one point... It was about around like the 8th or 9th century. The Catholic Church made the 1st of November All Saints Day. So you probably remember All Saints Day because we went to Catholic elementary school growing up. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, actually, funnily enough, at school the other day, some person was like, yeah, you know, my kid's in Catholic school. And, you know, they always get the day off after uh, after Halloween. And I was like, you know, for all of the bullshit that comes with Catholic school, that was always nice. That was nice, yeah. To have, because... Oh, I kind of, kind of forgot that that was a thing. For All Saints Day, right? Yeah, But whoa. I do have to say, Halloween does deserve that. They, we, does, you yeah. should always have off the, the day, day after, after Halloween. Halloween yeah. And I don't want this to be one of those shifting holidays where it's like, oh, whenever the weekend is. No. Well... You're right, yeah. Sorry, I'm just saying. No, it's a the, great That point. was like literally the only good thing about Catholic school was yet All yeah. Saints Day. I guess I just forgot that. 
But, you know, Christ, the Catholic Church did this a lot where they would look to these, um, quote unquote, like pagan cultures and go, all right, how we need some buy-in here. So we're just going to attach this to a Christian practice right? and then just slowly, you know, colonize and, you know, make it now, now, now they have no choice. And now they're all of a sudden celebrating All Saints Day. Right. Um, and so, of course, over like centuries, this, this was you know, successful. And now we have this like religious affiliation with this specific date, mm-hmm. even though it really kind of marks this, this moment of like the, the days of light are behind us and the days of darkness are in front of us. And this moment in between these two days yes. is like the veil, right? Like yes, where, yes, where, yes, where yes. sprites or fairies could kind of come through the souls of the dead could come into our world. And, and um, in the pagan times, they would leave them offerings of food and drink and things like that. Bowls of cream. So, <laughs> and bowls of cream. I think they did. Yeah. I, I, there's so much cream stuff in there. Uh... I know. They love that sweet <laughs> cream. They do. I mean, that's... <laughs> they do. To me, whenever it says sweet cream, it just gets me so hard. <laughs> it is fun. Um, but all... Do you know what All Hollows Eve means? Like, do you know what Halloween means? Like, literally? Hollowed ground? Well, hollow and hollowed means what? Uh, holy. Holy, yeah. So, uh, so and and een in Halloween just means evening. Hmm. So holy evening. Yeah, holy evening. Um, oh shit. Yeah, right. Halloween's so, a holy evening. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, well, like bullet holes. Bullet, oh, <laughs> nice, good. And. Um, so, so that's that's like one element of it because there's a few different things that I think combined to make the modern day Halloween interesting. So something else that happened was um oh wait and before I move on there like part of trick or treating may have evolved from a tradition where people impersonated the spirits or the souls of the dead and received offerings on their behalf. Oh, that so makes you know, sense. you know, like my great grandfather, I'm like, like I'm the spirit of my great grandfather. Like, give me an apple or like bread or something. Like, like what that. the hell, kid? I don't know your great grandfather. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> well, anyway, it would have been good fortune for the people to have to have given them to this, give them the sweet cream, right? Yeah. Okay. So in the past, we've talked about mumming, right? Um, like on the mummers, like, yeah, like the mummers. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, mum's the word, right? Yes, that was the idiom that we covered. Yes, that um, where we explored what mumming was. But you know, people would go around to houses and kind of do these like short little plays, and this was on like New Year's and Christmas time, essentially, right? Uh, yeah, I mean that reminds me of like caroling, sort of. It is like caroling, wassailing, wassailing. Well, there's something called souling. Have you ever heard of this? No. So souling. It's, it goes as far back as the 15th century. And among Christians, basically this was a time where there was the sharing of soul cakes. And it was this kind ah. of this like little cake with a cross in it. And it was served at, at All Hollow Tide, which was just another, another way of saying All Hollows Eve. Okay. And people would visit houses and they would, they would receive soul cakes and either as representatives of the dead or in return for praying for their souls. All right. So here we have at least this idea of like people going house to house and receiving some sort of food, right? Yeah. And like you would beg for soul cakes and, um, you know, there was like a little prayer that went soul souls for a soul cake. Pray you good mistress, a soul cake. (laughs) 
Oh, wow, that's very to the point. And yeah, it's actually, mostly not, the word soul no, cake. No, now that I'm reading it out loud, it's not very interesting. Yeah, how many soul cakes do you need? I mean, I guess you only have like Dude, what, if you two had, neighbors. If you had ten soul cakes, that'd be so many. Are they good? Like, what are they? Peanut butter? I don't know if there's peanut are they butter. The in first there. Reese's cup. Um, maybe that'd be cool. Yeah, it would. Um, but by the 19th century. Uh, children would be like dressing up in all sorts of fantastic ways and going from farmhouse to farmhouse, cottage to cottage, asking for these soul cakes. So this was called souling. Um, and sometimes they would be given apples or money or anything um, that would, you know, be considered like an offering of some sort. So Good th- deal. So this kind of like, you know, parallels modern day trick-or-treating yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Um, there's also something called guising. So we have mumming, mm. souling, and guising, the sort of trifecta of peop- groups of people going from place to place to place. And with the word guising, you just have to think of the word disguise. Oh, sure. So in Scotland and Ireland, children would go from door to door in disguise and also like you know, receive gifts in the form of food or coins or apples or nuts for the Halloween party. And so this was kind of like, I mean, to me, that's that's like, exactly what kids do now right so that was and and in ireland they would say help the halloween party as um as they would go instead of saying something like you know today we say trick or treat but they would say help the halloween party at the doors of homeowners oh so that's was like okay so yeah help the halloween party sir right and you know you could only receive a treat if you performed a party trick for the household that you went to trick and but this could be singing a song okay or it could be reciting a joke it could be okay reciting a funny poem that the child had memorized okay like, i'm gonna i'm gonna memorize a funny poem and go around from house to house and and say help the halloween party <laughs> um, heard this, that one before kid and then you have Slam. a sack of apples yeah <laughs> you know it's funny like thinking about like when you know there wasn't so much uh insanely processed sugar items like what you know you're just getting a sweet apple or some nuts and stuff and right it's like kids are like yeah <laughs> yeah mama mia like they are going nuts for nuts so as you can see a lot of this is focused on ireland and scotland yeah. and parts of england and though so you might be asking all right well where does the trick or treat as a phrase come from right well we all know about America yeah, and all of the immigrants that came over right. right, in the late 1800s, the early 1900s. And so you have like these communities of the Irish and Scottish, and they're all bringing their customs and beliefs to North America. Right. And so the earliest known occurrence of this practice of guising mm-hmm. um, on Halloween happened in Canada, not Ter- in uh, Kingston. Yes. Haven't we? Have we been to Kingston? Uh, no, we've been to Canada, though. We've been all up in Canada. <laughs> we've been all up in Canada. Actually, I don't We might have been to Kingston. Uh, it sounds really it's, familiar. It's not to a me. major city, I guess. But in 1911, there was a newspaper in Kingston, Ontario, that reported that children were had been going guising around the neighborhood. And then in 1919, this book came out called The Book of Halloween. And it references souling in one yeah. of the chapters called Halloween in America. And so the idea was that like Americans really had a taste for all things 
British, all things across the pond. And they wanted to adopt practices that were happening over there because they didn't have many practices of their own. So like no custom that existed was like out of question for Americans in the early 20th century. Wow. And so then you see like um, all of these Americans kind of adopting what their Scottish, Irish and English neighbors are doing. Could you imagine um, like the being in the town where the first trick or treating was happening and then like a couple years later they write a book and they're like, by the way, if a kid shows up at your house, this is fine. You got to <laughs> give them something. Uh-huh. Right. Like, like, could you imagine like a brand new holiday custom like just starting and we being like and, on the back burner because well, like I'm not big internet guy anymore. It took decades decades for Halloween and trick-or-treating to get started in America and become like this national thing that happens. Um, there was this, there's this word sleuth named Barry Popick who found the first use from 1917 with the variant um, trick or a treat um, or treat up or tricks. So he found this in 1917 and 1921 respectively. So that was the very first time we see the actual phrase used. Uh-huh. And then what happens is like, you know, other people start using it, other papers start using it. And then, um, and then like, it just starts to kind of like become adopted as the thing that you would say. And so by the, throughout the thirties, Halloween started to gain some momentum, but then World War II happened. And then when World War II happened, you know, like there wasn't money getting put into like sugar or confectionery or anything. Yeah. Um, but when, when the forties got going again, that's when the U.S. was like, we are all about consumerism, materialism, with sugar money. And um, then, like, TV shows and cartoons started, like, incorporating it. You know, you had Charlie Brown's pumpkin. um, What is it called? The uh, Great Pumpkin. The Great Pumpkin. And even in that, they they don't say trick or treat. They say tricks or treat. And they were still saying tricks or treats? Yeah, so in the 1966 television special, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, yeah. they were still using tricks or treats you know, um, as the phrase. That, um, I, I, like, this, this is going to be a hot take. I know not everybody feels the same way, but, like, Charlie Brown stuff bums me out. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Like, some people are like, don't you just love watching Charlie Brown stuff? It's like, not really. Like, the in The Great Pumpkin, I am so... Um, upset with uh, who's the blonde-haired whining one? That's Linus. Like, no, is Linus? Yeah, yeah, he's the blanket one, right? Yeah. Freaking Linus is like, I'm gonna go sit out in this pumpkin patch, and then the little girl that's like loves him is yeah. gonna go with him. And it's like he just like wastes all of Halloween <laughs> waiting for the great pumpkin. Yeah, but he he sees it, doesn't he? And, no, oh, he, he never okay. sees it. And then, like, why does everyone hate Charlie Brown so much? And also, like, why does he have so many holes in his freaking <laughs> ghost costume? Like, he couldn't figure that out. That is pretty funny. And then Pigpen's just like, look at how dirty I am. Like, I feel like it should be about Pigpen, really. <laughs> like, I, I like Charlie Brown stuff. It's like I swear they're like. They don't want you to enjoy cartoons. It's just like a bummer or something. And then everyone's like, well, what about Snoopy? I'm like, what about Snoopy? He just like dances on his freaking doghouse. Like, that's not even that funny. I don't like Charlie Brown. I'm going to say it right now. Am I just clear? I'm just, I want to be clear. Like, like yeah. I'm a, gar- look, 
Garfield. I'm a gargoyle. Garfield. I'm a gargoyle. Uh, Garfield's Halloween is the oh, best. Oh man, that is so good. But, when he's on the pirate ship and. Oh my god! What about when he's like, oh, the pirate ship, and god, like what that, when he's doing the, uh, when he's doing the uh, fog on the water in that Garfield Halloween special. Wait, I'll we've never ta- forget. We've talked about this before. There is have. a name on the boat that they use oh. to go across. I think it's Matilda or something. Nice. And there's no reference to it or what nothing, and cool. it's like, what is the meaning of that? Well, Matilda's an interesting name because it's it's the name associated with the first publication of Gothic novels. Really? Yeah, a lot of the characters in early 18th century Gothic novels were were uh, named Matilda, but I, I, that's probably unrelated. I don't know. I mean, it's like to me, it's a well, and then also, you know, he's she's singing. Oh no, it's Carolyn. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, a reference to Poltergeist. A reference to Garfield creator Jim Davis's first wife. Oh shit! Wow, that's I've always wondered what that was. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. You know, like how you just like don't look stuff up for your entire life, and then it's like, wow, now I know. Yeah, it's weird that where, you're gonna like look shit now? up. Yeah, you like remember like, oh wait, wait, I can look that that up now, but I couldn't forty years ago. Right. Right. Okay. Well, um, anyway, that, that's all she wrote regarding, um, oh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, sure. That's the way the ghoul, that's the way the soul cake ghoulbles. Yes, that's good that's for the season. That's the way the soul cake um, crumbles. That's yeah, the way it, the, soul, cake, the soul cake still needs yeah. to crumble. That's the way the soul cake crumbles. Um, and listen, guys, get out there. Keep it spooky. Keep it creepy. Um, think about trick or treat next time you hear it. And, um, I know that in other countries now, like people say trick or treat, like even in Scotland and Ireland, um, in England, I think some people have adopted it in the two thousands, but I'm sure they're, they've kept it their own. You know, the thing about it is it's just nice. It's easy to say you got your alliteration, you got your alliteration, you got your consonants. Yeah. Um, rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And sometimes that's all that really matters is the tongue. And that what rolls off upon it. <laughs> Damn it. All Idiot. Right. We'll be right back after this brief break. Too cool for school. Okay, Albert. Her old so nurse. You. 
school nurse. I think we talked about her last episode. I can't. She she's like seared into my brain. Right. What I realized, I have no short term memory anymore. That's what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's gone. I I have all of my old memories are so vividly Mm. burned in. I just don't know where the cutoff was. Yeah, we'll figure that out soon. Yeah. So what you got? So what I got is my life still intact because I'll tell you what, crossing the streets on the way over here in South Philly, these people are driving like bats out of hell. Bat out of hell. That's like the Meatloaf album. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I thought about doing this once and then I I didn't. There's not enough to do. I, I, I maybe looked it up and I was like, I guess I can't really talk more than like two minutes on this. Yeah. But Albert found a way. I yeah, so, someone found a way. So is the definition of a bat out of hell like someone who's just like a a rule breaker, like a, like a someone who goes against the grain? What is that? Well, what is the definition? I mean, in a way, but actually, it means to move extremely quickly without thought, as as if in a panic. Oh, okay. like relating to the flight of a bat. It it, it appears, you know, when you think of how a bat flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So all right. Okay. So it'd be like, you know, like, you know, the, you know, drunk drivers like, driving like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Like, like at the end of my work day, I like, I leave the parking lot. Like, like a, a bat out of hell. hell. Okay. Cause get, it's just like, get away from school. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't really. All right. So bat out of hell, bat out of hell. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I just have this image in my head. I have a very vivid image, okay? And it's like it's like the 1800s, mm. and there's a little, like, mountain village in Tennessee, um, you know, in the Great Smoky Mountains. Okay. Okay? And there is a, a pastor there. Let's call him, like, Father, Father Crackle. Okay. And he's got his parishioners, you know. And um, he's, he's just psychotic. He's really crazy. Well, um, yeah, Father Crackle sounds crazy. <laughs> and, you know, he looked at everything as a sign from God. Um, sure. It, whether good or bad. He might see, like, a spider in the confessional and be like, ah, like, and just think that, like, this is this is maybe the devil coming to take him away. Or, you know, he could, like, sure. he could, like trip over, you know, the, the altar and be like, you know, he would like cross himself and he would think like, you know, the devil's trying to trip me, the devil, you know, and he's like always I've broken so... my mother's back. <laughs> right. Every time he like steps on a crack, he <laughs> thinks he broke his mother's back. But anyway, there was a cave, um, you know, this is stones throw away from the from the church. Yes. And he was just convinced that this was an entrance to hell. Yes. Because whenever he got near it, he got the heebie jeebies. Okay. And um, one day he he gathered all of the parishioners. He's like, "Come, come, meet me at the front of the church, you know, right on the church steps at just right like right before sunset." And everyone's like, "Oh, okay." <sighs> and so he like leads them, and like they're all just like lead, going towards the opening of the cave. And he's like, mm-hmm. "This that every night the devil comes out of this, and you know he puts bad thoughts into our heads." You know, which is why I want to yes. kiss Mrs. McComfrey all the time. And she's like, what? <laughs> and um, you It's know, he, not me. It's, it's the devil, the devil making comes, me. And so we're going to stop him 
tonight it ends here. And everyone's like cheering and stuff. And he's at the front. And um, so like the sun starts to set and a bat comes out. One bat comes out. Oh, yeah. And they're like, it's one of the devil's demons. <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone's like, ah. And then a second bat comes out. And a third, you know, and it's sort of that erratic, like fourth, fifth. Yeah. Sixth through 20th come out. And then, and he's like, these are bats from hell. And then um, all of a sudden, like, just literally 2,000 bats start like, <laughs> pouring out of the cave. Because this is what bats do. And the, yeah. They wait for sunset yeah. to come out so they yeah. can eat some bugs. Sure. Um, and then, um, <laughs> meanwhile, like, the, like a shop owner next door to the church, he's just sitting on a rocking chair. Just, <laughs> he's just smoking a pipe. He's just watching this whole thing. Yeah. He's like, these fucking idiots. Uh, yeah. And um, then when the 2,000 bats come out, Father Crackle just, he hightails it out of there. He's running like a psycho. Okay. Terrified um, of, of all these bats heading towards him. And then the guy in the rocking chair is like, now that's a bat out of hell. Oh, yeah, sure. And then no one ever saw Father Crackle again. He ran all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> And jumped into the river, and he drowned. And his hair turns white. <laughs> He's like, I can't handle it. Um, yeah, cool. I like that. That's great. Thank you. Um, you know, you don't have to say anything else about it. Yeah, no. So, um, I wish it were that simple. Okay. It's, it's not. But um, yeah. So, uh, like a bat out of hell, it's got this one really um interesting reference all the way back to uh. 414 BC. What? Yeah. Really? Um, it's from Aristophanes' The Birds. Are you familiar with that? I'm familiar with Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Okay, this is different. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you this full quote here real quick. It says, uh, Nearby the land of the Skiapodes, there is a marsh from the borders whereof the unwashed Socrates evokes the souls of men. Mm. Pisander came one day to see his soul, which he had left there when still alive. He offered a little victim, a camel, slit his throat, and following the example of Odysseus, stepped one pace backwards. Then that bat of a chiffron came up from hell to drink the camel's blood. Whoa. So in that last line there, you're getting the bat and you're getting the hell, right? Yeah. And you're getting some nice little blood drinking. Yeah. Right? In Greek mythology, um, they, they, they believe in the underworld, though, right? Oh, yeah. But not hell. Um, or is hell is hell meant to be perceived I mean, as the underworld? I know. I don't know. I didn't read, like, the entirety of the birds. Yeah. But this one last line here makes you kind of go, at least may, may we, me go, like, Oh, shoot. Is it like really something that's that old? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but scholars say nay. It's mm. really more of a coincidence. Oh, okay. Yeah. That all of Just those. Just that you're seeing bat and hell. Those words end up there. And, and that's really the idea is because bats have almost, it's seemingly always just been associated with the occult, mm-hmm. the devil, mm-hmm. um, evil things, like scary things that go bump in the night. And. You know, uh, you can't draw like this direct line from something that old, unfortunately. Because it's always had some sort of like negative connotation. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, way later during uh, World War I, uh, like a bat out of hell, 
was um, like military slang from Britain's Royal Flying Corps. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, you know, it would just be the way that like um, fighter pilots would fly like really erratically like a badass. Sure, guy. yeah. And then like you mentioned uh, just a minute ago, um, in 1977, his debut album, Meatloaf, mm. um, like a bad out of hell, brought a lot of attention to, the, uh, to the it phrase. as well. Okay. Which can't, uh, I, I like, even and as I a, will do anything. I know that was on the second one. Right. But, yeah. Which also, I just have to say, the cover art for both it's of those so albums are so good. Yeah, it's really like, good. Like I, you know, my family, we weren't meatloaf, like not a meatloaf family. Yeah. Um, but I remember as a kid, like seeing those album covers. The bat of the hell just, too, in particular. Yeah, with the because that was really the, big, the yeah. giant bat. Yeah. But even the first one, like the dude, like on the motorcycle flying out of hell with the yeah. bat in the background, like look at that baby, like whoosh. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I mean. Oh. Um, so anyway, you know, and does not match the music on the actual album at all. You know, not real, like not in the way that I thought it would. Right. <laughs> but actually, funnily enough, um, I knowing that I was going to do this today, I I couldn't sleep and I got up early and went for a run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, in the dark, the streets are all empty here in South Philly, and I listened to the whole Bad uh, Out of Hell, hell album. Oh, and nice. I was like. Coming from the end of time, yeah, you know, like right. just kind of. It was, it was. It's a classic. It really is fun. Yeah. Um, although he didn't write the songs, which is weird, right? Like it was written by no, but else. um, yeah, exactly. Which is weird, right? Like, well, Elton John didn't write any of his lyrics. Well, true. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize that on the cover it actually says like songs by whatever mm, the other right. guy name is. Like, yeah, you don't need to find details. <laughs> but anyway, so um. I really thought when I, when I picked this, um, I was just going to kind of say there's this old thing and then there's, this is why it got popular. And then I was going to give you a bunch of like bat, like superstition stuff. But then I found this article written by this guy, Alexander Lee. He's Mm. an Irish Gothic novelist. And he wrote this article called bats colon out of hell question mark. And when it, did this come out? It was in October of 2020. Oh, recently. Yeah. And I I had, you know, I'd printed out a bunch of references, but I started reading this. I was like, oh my God, this guy is a genius. Whoa. Like he doesn't seem like he's totally going to figure out the origin of the mm-hmm. idiom, but yeah. like I, I just kind of am sort of following his lead here. And I want to give you a little bit about Okay. So this is some of the some of what he said. This is what's his yeah, name again? His name is uh Alexander Lee. Alexander Lee. Okay. Yeah. And I was just really impressed with his connections to bats, the occult, the, the devil, vampires, oh, cool. all this stuff. And right. in the end, I'd like to make a point. I don't know if yeah. I'm going to, yeah, but yeah. Okay. I'm going to just try to give you a little bit of what he said. So nice. as right. early as 8th century BC in Homer's Odyssey, there's this line about Hermes using his golden wand to summon the ghosts of the suitors. Mm. And he says, like bats that flit about and gibber in the depths of an eerie cave after one falls from the hanging cluster where they cling to the rock and one another. So they went gibbering behind Hermes, the helper, down the dank way. So apparently this is like Hermes. Um, there's this reference to these uh, these. The, the souls of the dead in the underworld, mm. um, like ha- actually like hanging like, like bats. bats. Whoa, yeah. Okay. Which is like, so even like 
just making that connection to the like you know the underworld and the dead and, and like the bats are souls uh, yeah so um and then even in like the old testament in leviticus and deuteronomy there's a line the storks uh, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat, all flying insects that walk on all fours, are to be regarded as unclean by you. Hmm. Do not eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, like just bats have always been like maligned. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's something in our like, in our like subconscious about the like them being out at night. Yeah, yeah, right. You know? And they just look kind of creepy, right? Yeah. Um, but then there's, so then it kind of, it kind of progresses, right? So in, uh, 197 AD, there's something called Tertullian's Apologeticus. Um, and he, and where he mentions that all spirits had wings, angels and demons. And then to continue with that idea in the fourth century, Basil of Caesarea stated that demons like bats fly through the air, not with feathers, but by the means of a fleshy membrane. Oh, nice. So it's kind of like, this is now when we are, somewhat, Basil is deciding that in the fourth century, demons have bat wings. Yeah, that's a, and that's, that's, a, that's significant. That's it, a great idea. It's great. Yeah. <clears throat> but then it kind of goes on beyond the physical um, to like the morality of, I guess, the image of what a bat represents, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it was believed that um, bats could not see in the daylight, and that's why they only came out at night. Uh, and in the 13th century, um, the uh, Bestiaro Moralizito de Gubbio suggests that <laughs> um, be- the reason that they couldn't see during the day was an emblem of those lost in the darkness of sin who refused to show themselves to those who could take care of their souls. Um, And then in the 14th century, in the Commedia, Dante describes Satan himself as having six great wings, each like a bat's, but bigger than the sails of any ship. So now the big guys got bat wings too. That's significant. Right. And then there was this thing in 1308, Ducio's Temptation of Christ on the Mount. He says, the devil is given a coat of thick black fur, membranous wings, pointed ears, a snub nose, and hooked heels. Sort of sounds like a bat. It sounds a lot like a bat, right? (laughs) Um, And then there's- I love bats. I love bats too. Um, (laughs) And then in 1336, in- uh, Monomico's Buffalo Maxo's fresco of the triumph of death. Uh, there's a, it's this big fresco of demons swooping down to carry souls off to hell. And Whoa. they all have leathery bat wings. Whoa. Um, I do have a picture of that. It, yeah, I, do I feel see like that. it looked familiar. Yeah. Um, but when you really zoom in on this guy here, he's really looking like the bat, oh, the bat shit. type. Yeah. This is good. That thing is a really big painting. It's like a whole wall. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. Really like that guy on the left there. Yeah. So you know, again, it just seems like this idea that the demons kind of were were bat like from the beginning. You know. Um. Now, so that's we're talking about sort of like this 
like subconscious like kind of vibe Mm -hmm. with the bats right but then i wanted to bring in vampires because not only is it spooky but um, but did alexander lee bring in oh yeah 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 i mean like i could have done i could have tried to do this without it but i love the what he's what he's trying to do here so apparently in the beginning vampires really had nothing to do with bats yeah at all um he he mentions this one um book from 1751 written by don ancion calmet and i'm not even going to try to pronounce the the name of the book but he states that um vampires were revenant corpses come back to life to torment others and suck the blood this is in hungary serbia and morovia okay and he actually was saying that vampirism was more like um like a a sim- it was like a symptom of malnourishment mm. and it was like it was almost like a uh, what would you call it like a, a social commentary on like socioeconomic deprivation wow yeah um but nothing bat like so the the poorest of the poor were those who suffered from becoming vampires seemingly the most. Okay. because and you know i remember reading this thing once long ago like imagine you're on a raft mm-hmm. in the ocean for like weeks and you're starving right yeah. um they would say that you would start craving like odd like odd things like for example let's say you happened to get a fish like out on the yeah. raft there you just you would, it. Well, you would go for the eyes. Whoa. And the scientists were saying that it's because something that's in the eyes is what your body is like really needs. It needs. No, and that's wow. what you so like I'm thinking he's going for something like that. Like yeah. in his way, like vampires are actually just trying to get what they need, you know, yeah. because oh, they're yeah. like starving. I, I don't know. It's an interesting take on it all. Um, but now check this out. I thought this was really interesting. Um in the early 16th century was the first time in Europe that they started hearing rumors of a bat that sucked blood Mm. out in South Africa and the far East. Right. So like we, the the vampire bat quote unquote, but it was still like this unknown species. Right. It was just like rumor Mm. in a, in a way. Right. Um, and what I find interesting about that is all of this negative stuff that we have about bats leading up to this point, they were never sucking blood in our minds. Mm-hmm. Like we never had that connection about blood sucking. Right, yeah. It was more just about like them looking weird and coming out at night. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even though the real vampire bats were like tiny and would like never really approach a human, um, these conquistadors like started telling these tales of these like big bats that would seek out and attack humans that would be terrifying to see like a giant bat yeah well it makes me think of stranger things four the most recent stranger things yeah season where all those like bat demons are like coming after that reminds me of the bat out of hell cover Uh from from, yeah that's probably where they got the inspiration too yeah Yeah, maybe and anyway like so there were people like in the 1500s that we're talking about at first they were only as large as like pigeons, right? Mm-hmm. Coming down and attacking soldiers. Um, but that kept getting repeated over and over again until like for decades after that, it, it, it became like an understood zoological truth that like the bigger, the bat, the more that it was going to attack humans and oh, want human blood. Yeah. 
Um, so then the vampire craze starts happening and there's this guy, uh, he was a taxonomist, Carl Linnaeus. And he decided he was just like this new bat species that, that was discovered. It was a big boy. And he decided to call it, um, essentially a vampire bat. And it was called the, uh, Patromus vampiris, right? Um, in the end, this bat was actually the Malaysian flying fox, which is a fruit bat. Oh, now, they right. are huge. Right. But they but have, they like suck berries and they, stuff. They, right? they only eat fruit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he like he went ahead and gave it a scientific name. Yeah. And like said, like, there it is. Look right. at that giant thing. Right. I bet they're cute too, right? They are cute. They kind of look like doll like little cute dogs. Nice. Um and then this association with like size and bloodthirstiness just grew and grew. Um, at the time, uh, there was also some cool uh, like imagery, like stuff going on. Like, so if you probably are familiar with uh, Francisco Goya's The Sleep of Reason Produces Monsters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like so that's got like that dude asleep there. There's like and an owl in that too. Right? Owls and yeah. bats and like all these nocturnal creatures. And they're saying like that's supposed to symbolize and again, this is like them attaching all of these like negative things mm-hmm. to the creatures of the night. Yeah. Um like irrational fantasy and madness. And then there was this cool um story, Arthur Young, eighteen sixty two. Peppo, Peppo Pukin in Corsica. Okay. So I believe, if I'm, if I'm getting this right. right, it was the first time that a vampire flies. Oh, nice. But well, not, what was the year? Not like a bat. 1862. Okay. And it's, it, sh- it has this um, vampire rises from the grave and flies over the Alps. Nice. Which I just think is such a beautiful scene. It is. Scene. Yeah. Um, but in the end, what really made the attachment from um uh, uh, vampires and bats. Idiom? Yeah. Well, oh, oh, we're sorry, almost there. Sorry, we're yeah. almost there. Uh is in 1839 when um Darwin released his account of his journey on mm-hmm. the on the beagle. Mm-hmm. Like among other things, he was the first to witness and like scientifically document a real vampire bat Whoa. drinking blood. Whoa. Um, and he didn't go, he didn't even go all, all over the top and like attach the word vampire to it. it he called it Desmodus Rotundus. Mm-hmm. And apparently that was like a huge, um, like it was the effect on vampire literature, like just changed from that point on. And that's when vampires started behaving like bats for the first time. Oh, okay. For example, in 1845, the penny dreadful Varney the Vampire. Yeah. He's got the glaring white fang teeth and the bat-like cloak. Like, they weren't even having sharp teeth and cloaks before then. Right. Before the real vampire bat was discovered. There wasn't really vampire literature before Varney the Vampire. I mean, you had... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. I mean, so, this one guy that I mentioned you had earlier, like that. You had like blood-sucking like 17- folklore. Yeah. But you didn't have the vampire as we know it. But that's the thing. Until Barney like, you know, and Carmilla. I, I'll say this. Like, uh, I knew that not... Like, not everybody does the, the vampire turning into the bat thing. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. cool with that. Yeah. But, like, I always thought they had fangs. Right. But it turns out that it really kind of didn't start happening until around this time. Yeah. 
because the real life vampire bat was found. Like, isn't that bizarre? Yeah, it's so cool. Like, I would have thought, like, it's like the uh, chicken or the egg thing. I would have mm-hmm. thought it was the. Do you know the what, other way around? Do you know what famous cinematic vampire does not have fangs? Do not have fangs. Does not have fangs. Let me think. Damn it! Not off it, the top of my well, head. Bella Lugosi's Dracula does not have fangs. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. He, but he just has the the hand, Ooh, the creepy <laughs> hands. Wow, that's actually interesting. Because I'm, I was going to touch on that oh. in in a minute. Yeah. Um. You you mentioned Carmilla, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was also the uh, Sheridan Le Fanu. That that's uh, the author of Carmilla. Yeah, and then there was a. Uh, and then was, the Vampire by John Paul Dory. I have Alexander Dumas in the play Le Vampire. Oh, eighteen fifty one. All right, as as one of the uh, establishing now you, now, texts well, now you're of seeing vampires. Them, yeah, you're yeah. seeing them with the teeth and the capes. Um, before I get to the the crescendo here. I thought these two stories were kind of neat too. In 1884, there's something called Marjorie of Querith. Mm-hmm. Do you know this one? No. The story of an old woman who sat in a church praying for eternal life for so long that she eventually transforms <laughs> into a vampire bat and lives in the belfry. Oh shit, that's cool. Which is like bats in the belfry. Bats in the belfry. Classic. But like, also, it made me think. It's like, oh, is that because like it's like I don't know in it's like a sin to want to live forever because only like God, like God's supposed to be immortal or whatever. So it's mm. like you're so like okay, live forever as a vampire bat in the belfry. Yeah, I'd like to read that one. One other notable one is in 1863. Uh, William Kingston's The Vampire mm-hmm. describes a group of women who become sex crazed witches at night and they can transform into owls, ducks, which I oh, think is kind of funny. a funny one, and bats. And there's Benicula. Remember the children's book, Benicula, about the vampire duck? Yes. Wait. Wait, hold on. Rabbit, right? Vampire rabbit. Right, right. yes. Wait, I do remember Benicula. There's also a vampire duck. What am I... There's like a cartoon... Maybe one of the... Maybe one of the... uh, No, I know what you're talking about. The vampire (laughs) duck is from one of those stop animation things, isn't it? I can't remember... But Benicula is interesting. I remember Benicula. (laughs) Is the vampire duck something from like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas or something? Isn't uh, it a toy? Oh, it's a toy Nightmare Before Christmas. Right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's something. Something like that. Sorry, go on. Um, So obviously, you know, know, bats have been attached also to witches Mm -hmm. and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But it's like, you know, what's funny is realistically the bats were probably just eating bugs around the fires mm-hmm. that the witch yeah. like the quote unquote witches were having <laughs> anyway um but in the end to tie it all up um the point to be made is in 1897 bram stoker releases dracula right mm-hmm. um he draws a lot on emily gerard's essay on transylvania superstitions right uh and if you don't know uh, you know, Dracula used to be a warrior. And then the idea is that he gets his immortality from either black magic or, you know, the powers of darkness, you know, like making a deal with the devil, something like that. And the reason uh, that he's able to like bend the laws of nature and transform into a bat uh, is because like he's demonic, right? right yeah. Or has like a, now, I and mean, here's one thing I don't know for sure. Yeah. 
Is there anything that you're aware of, of the, an actual transformation of a vampire into a bat before Dracula? Or is that like um, sort of like an original? Dracula least... can transform into multiple animals. Right. I mean, he transforms into the wolf and stuff. But before him, I mean, if you're looking at like Varney and John Polidori's The Vampire yeah. and Carmilla, like there isn't any example of that. Right. Happening. Okay. And see, That's I didn't want to. Transformation. Right. Stuff. Because you, you've read more. Than I have, but the thing is, is like I'm as I'm reading all this, this this you know this map that this guy put out, I'm like, are you shitting me that like Dracula is he really the first one that actually turns into a bat? Mm. Um, because uh, what what you can kind of look at here is uh, like you've got Dracula who is a vampire, mm-hmm. he can also turn into a bat, and then he's also you know, allegedly in league with the devil. Right, so there's yeah. your trifecta yeah. right there. And not to mention Dracula means the devil in old Romanian. Mm. So is it possible? Because look at the date here, 1897. I said that the, the term bad out of hell gets popular at, in world war one, which is like, what did I, it was yeah, like, like 1914. Yeah, it's like 15 years. And we know 18 years. how things um, like idiomatic things often before they're written down yeah. are like spoken first. What if Dracula's responsible for kind of like, making what if bat? Dracula is the original bat out of hell? Wow. wow. And is that, is that your idea or is Alexander Lee? Is that what his point is at the end? Well, that's the thing. He's like, I, so I read his article. It's not that he's trying to like, cause he's not a really Arguing like his, that. his, the title of his, yeah, you know, article has bad out of hell in it, but, but it's it, not about the idiom. Really. But it really seemed like he was just kind of interested in how the history of bats, bats and the perception of and them, the and, evil and the vampire yeah. or whatever. But I'm like, dude, what if all of this is really just that whole like, like consciously mm. it's always been here? Yeah. And so, of course, someone just is going to say it. But with the popularity of Dracula, especially him being so like, obviously like something with hell like mm-hmm. and you know like maybe that's what like pushed it into sure yeah the vernacular yeah so that's that's like you know i'm i'm following alexander's lead here but i just love the way he tied it all together that's awesome and that's uh that's a wrap yeah. on uh bad out of hell <laughs> yeah i think we can wrap this up and wrap this whole episode up. And really, I do have to say this. The reason that I was so inspired to do Bad Out of Hell was because at our first night at my new camper, um, one of the uh, one of the songs from uh, Meat Loves Bad Out of Hell came on. Yeah. And my cousin Nora and my brother Mario, you know, jumped out of their seat and they're just like, I love this song. And they essentially had like a 10 minute like ballad battle Whoa. of um of that song i was like you know i don't listen to meatloaf enough like yeah. i just like and you know i didn't think there'd be anything to it but fight club well yeah fight club <laughs> <laughs> but uh i just felt like it was all feeling very meant to be and uh whoa that is that spooky cool well we hope you enjoyed today's uh you know creepy idioms for halloween 
And uh, even if you're listening to this and it's not Halloween, I mean, this stuff is cool all year round, to be honest. I know. Like, you so know, what, just give us a break. If you feel like you need it to be Halloween to be right. creepy or whatever. This is why Doobie Monster exists. Yeah. It's always good. It's always good to be talking about this shit. Yeah. So. Um. By the way, I just thought of uh, another hmm. thing. We It could be the pasta vagul. Oh, pasta vagul. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Well, Gabagool. Yeah, you're right. But listen, if you have Spotify, if you could just like rate us, that's that'd be awesome. Um, it yeah. helps kind of like bring us into the forefront of the uh, podcast sphere. And if you have a question, you can a- ask it directly via Spotify now while you're listening. That's crazy. And we'll get that. And um, then I guess a couple we'll people have done it, it already. Oh, I'll fun. Have to show you. Yeah. Well, should we answer their question? <laughs> yeah, we should. We'll do it next time. Okay. <laughs> okay. I will, um, until next time. Little Tony Provolone went out on Halloween. His costume was as black as night so he could not be seen. He had no taste for candy, he much preferred the tricks. Scaring all his neighbors is how he got his kicks. This is the story of the Gabagool. This is the ballad of the Gabagool. From house to house, Tony would skip as happy as a lark. He'd knock upon his neighbor's doors and then hide in the dark. The folks would open up their homes expecting smiling kids Then he'd set off the fireworks and watch them flip their lids Ooh, this is the story of the Gabagool Ooh, this is the ballad of the Gabagool Tony's candy sack was empty but his heart was full Junk or morbid pleasures, he forgot the golden rule A black costume is hard to see while crossing a dark street By a driver in a truck that's full of deli meat This is the story of the Gabagool Tony may have died that night, but his soul cannot rest Because of the Capricola log that lodged into his chest He finally learned his lesson, it don't pay to be cruel It only buys eternity as a dreaded gabagool This is the story of the gabagool So when you're trick-or-treating, don't forget the golden rule Or you could become the next Gabagool On Halloween, don't be a jerk, just keep it creepy cool Or you could become the next Gabagool